Welcome to the Big Vag Energy Podcast, where we serve up candid conversations that matter to women about women. I'm Chess, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex, and together we explore the realities, frustrations, and success stories of females in the 21st century. So today we have a really interesting interview. We are speaking to one of the co-founders of StrutSafe which is a free non-judgmental service that's dedicated to making women, queer people, people of color, and anyone who needs to feel safe walking home. It's an incredible initiative, incredible organization. Yeah, so cool. And it's a UK-wide service um, that was founded by Ro Chung and Alice Jackson following the murder of Sarah Everard in March of 2021. We're speaking to Alice, who, in addition to co-founding StrutSafe, is a writer and an activist. She was previously outreach director at CERT, C-E-R-T, lobbying for contraceptive reform and better sex and contraceptive education. She has appeared on the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and Sky News. The Evening Standard named her one of the 22, um, 2022 young women changing the world. The Big Issue named her one of the change makers of 2022, and she was featured in Voxburner's Young People Changing the World series. Amazing. Alice and Ro were also recently named as recipients or recipients. I don't know. I'm not. Is it recipients? Recipient. (laughs) I learn something new every day. As recipients of the Inspirational Young Persons of the Year at the Edinburgh Evening News Hero Awards for their work with Stratsafe. And I can actually vouch she is 23 and superstar like superstar I mean yeah Chess and I were talking about we're like what did we do at 23 I I was like I had an existential crisis and um cried to Britney Spears you (laughs) I was at I was at the pub I don't know like so uh, yeah uh, incredible woman and she she the way she talks is just I'm I, I learned so much from her today and I just I would listen to her mm-hmm. talk for hours um, mm-hmm. so please enjoy and we're going to gift your ears with Alice from Strut Safe. and I do before we uh, get into the episode just want to flag that we speak a lot about um, violence against women so if that is a trigger and sexual anyone, harassment yeah. sexual harassment you might want to skip this episode Hi Alice. Hi. How are you both? I'm I'm good. I'm in the UK and I'm actually deaf in one ear because I'm a musician and something's wrong with my ear, but everything's fine. But sorry if I'm shouting everyone. I just can't hear as well as usual. <laughs> and Alex, babe, how are you? Good. Excited to be meeting with you, Alice, today. Welcome to the Big Badge Energy Podcast. We're super excited to have you on here. I'm Finally, so I feel like uh, I've uh, I've hounded you for ages. I'm like, I must have this girl. No. I must have her. <laughs> Sorry thank about you, that. No, it's fine. Thank you so much for having me. It was honestly, it was you did not hound me. It was like it just like my friend sent it to me and was like, oh my gosh, did you see this? And I was like, yeah. And I actually swear this is going to sound so scripted now, but I really had heard of you because what? one of uh huh because one of my friends was like sent me sent me something to be like oh my god look at this thing and then I was like Ooh. so I knew so then I went to the email so I was like 
big veg energy podcast I've heard of them and then I <gasps> finally emailed you back gosh. being like yes I would love to be on <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I love that's that. yeah I love that too thank you that's for sharing cool. that I think, my, I think it was my friend Emily but I'll have to double check awesome so well, thank you Emily Thank you, yeah. friend, whoever you are. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, Alice, um, I'm super interested in everything you're doing, and you just sound you just sound like an absolute legend. So, um, gonna start off with a question, mm-hmm. and feel free to answer as lengthy as you like. Go into your own realm. I'm interested in everything. So, when did advocating for women's and min- minority rights become important to you was this something that built over time and experiences or was there a particular moment in your life you can point to and say that definitely made the start of it Mm -hmm. I think it's something that I've always been passionate about I don't know if you see those that you've seen that meme which it's like um uh, like the teacher, I need some big, strong boys to to carry chairs. It's like oh, me yeah. at age nine, like <sighs> I can be big and strong. Um, I just felt like I, I grew up in a very kind of rural area and I went to both of the schools that I went to um, were definitely filled both within the faculty and within the kind of student body of ideas that were were very backward and my parents were sewing like I'm I'm an only child and so growing up my parents were were definitely like you know you can go out and do anything you know it doesn't Mm. matter that you're a girl like the world is your oyster and don't ever like take you know if if you can fight for yourself and you can advocate for yourself and your own you know your own champion and don't ever let especially my dad was like don't ever let anyone tell you can't do anything because you're a girl which oh yes, like, dad. I love that yeah I know he was Great like dad. so determined he, yeah he was so determined that I like be able to you know like fight for myself my mum is like she's so cool but she faced like um she's a lawyer and she faced so much kind of like being a, a, a woman like mm-hmm. in the league like in working in the law in like the 1980s she just received like just so many you know like comments and people not taking her seriously and mm-hmm. so my dad adoring my mom saw all that and was like it will not be the same for our daughter you know she he wanted me to so going into those environments is very like toxic kind of misogynistic and like yeah. environments that were really filled with rape culture me walking into that being like well everyone deserves to be treated equally and you know no one should be able to say anything to me that like that I kind of definitely clashed with a lot of the people and I got like made fun of a lot for kind of being like the feminazi that was a little one I got in school which was so fun oh that's a new one I heard um, yeah, that before too. that is yeah. horrible I know oh. it's, a hor- it's such a horrible term yeah. um like associating equality with fascism is such a such a horrible word but I got people you know constantly making fun of me and and like trying to antagonize and bait me and those environments were so like unhealthy for like so many of the women in in like in the staff and in the student body and so those environments kind of like pressure kind of makes a diamond right so those kind of Mm. environments you kind of push back to I think it's something that we've all experienced and so but I only kind of found people who supported me in that kind of when I went to university and I started getting involved in advocacy I started in um the kind of first advocacy work I was doing 
kind of campaigning work I was doing was in reproductive and contraceptive access and education and rights and things like that. So ensuring people knew about their contraceptive options and their reproductive options, educating people, trying to speak to kind of local authorities because so much of contraception like hasn't changed since like the 1980s like and what age were you around this time because I I'm pretty sure I was still like listening to Britney Spears and making up dances at this point like I wasn't what what age oh, I'm you? doing that all I'm doing all that too still okay. In my Same time. <laughs> okay amazing yep so that's actually the first song I bought uh, was give me yes. more by Britney Spears sidetrack but um <laughs> yeah I, I was so was very passionate and kind of was really like educating myself when I was in high school and then started getting involved in like contraceptive access and reform when I was when 20 like about 20 um and I was doing that for a year and then I in March of 2020 so that was like in 2020 when I joined it was a, it's an organization called CERC and I want to give a shout out to CERC Scotland they're the contraceptive education reform team and they do really good work in, in Scotland like lobbying for better contraceptive access and improvement in healthcare. so I worked with them for volunteer with them for a year and then in March of 2021 um founded StratSafe and carried on working with them but then StratSafe started taking up so much of my time that I took a step back from CERC and then focused on this so yeah I was 21 when I founded StratSafe with Ro and I'm I'm 23 now so 23 that's incredible (laughs) like I didn't even know who I was at 20 I'm gonna sound like a 90 year old now but like (laughs) I I I had I just wow I'm just applause yeah yeah seriously doing so much already so young um interesting that you talk about uh like your experience working with educating people on contraception um I saw something super recently about these two Canadian women I think they're based in Toronto actually um I'll have to double check but they just launched a new like condom line and the article was saying how there has been no like new condom I guess companies that have been released in since like the 90s like you were saying and all the Mm -hmm. packaging is you know geared primarily towards men um and they wanted to create something more I guess a that would be appealing to Gen Z to pick up and not feel self-conscious about that doesn't like shout this is a condom package something a bit more subtle something more inclusive because it's you know not something more geared towards um anyone whether you're lgbtq plus or you know um so i thought that was really interesting because i thought about it and i was like you know what if i like when i've been in the aisle in the pharmacy there isn't like it hasn't changed it's so true that one (laughs) did you did you experience like pick up on that while you were working in in that area i think definitely i think um I think the thing that makes me like I know exactly what you're talking about. First, funnily enough, yeah. I actually saw the brand that you're talking about <laughs> in Boots the other day, and I was like, "Oh my really? word!" I know. So I was just I was so thrilled for them because I do know the the people you're talking about, and I I think they're so cool. Yeah. Um, I think something that like for example, an unnamed condom brand has a gladiator <laughs> on the box. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. What? And you just think. I don't understand. Red my why penis. Why is it so? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, why is it so macho? 
Exactly. And I think it stands yeah. out because we did a lot of work with um, like local NHS services here in Scotland. And of course, yeah. all the free condom brands, mm. like the government ones, it just, it's, it's just a little, it's a little packet with a condom inside. There's not all this excessive branding. It's not super expensive and inaccessible. Right. You know, condoms yeah. are free in Scotland. And uh-huh. um, I think that was, that was something that I think definitely the commercialization of a lot of this kind of stuff and it kind of made me it that the one thing that I've been really trying to push for or I was like working on and hopefully we'll come back to was um actually women's experiences like um of hormonal contraception because and how it affects their libido because there are so many hormonal forms of contraception that actually completely will eliminate your sex drive for sure like well shouldn't I be allowed to enjoy sex if I well that's it and I I mean also it's 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 like I remember getting my IUD and I messaged Alex before and I was like Alex how much does this hurt and she was trying not to psych me out so she was like oh you know it's it's not that bad and I text her after and I'm like you lied to me I (laughs) literally was gonna die and I was like this is so unfair but that's a whole other topic it is freaking brutal but that's a whole other topic that I literally could go on for days about um you left your the, the last thing you said, um, and it's really interesting because you said you started uh, Strud Safe in twenty twenty around the time we started the podcast, and the reason we started the, poco- the poco- wow I can't talk the podcast um, after the murder of Sarah Everard um, by then the serving Met Officer Wayne Cousins. Mm. Such a dark time, and it brought out so much pain um, in so many people. Um, can you tell us about the conversation you had with Ro um, that led to Strutsafe because of what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was, I, it truly happened all so quickly. And I don't think that Ro and I expected, like we never expected Strutsafe to be as big as it became. Um, so we attended a vigil for Sarah Everard um, following her murder in, in the March and um, we were in Edinburgh and um, it was, like you said, like the atmosphere around that time. It was almost like, you know, when the world just feels liminal, like you would walk, yeah. you kind of were walking everywhere and you sort of knew that everybody was thinking about the same thing. You know, when news is just so momentous that the world kind of tilts and yeah. you feel like everybody yeah. is thinking about it. And I just would walk past people in those kind of days and just know that everyone was thinking about it. And then we attended this vigil and the atmosphere was just this immense grief Mm -hmm. and frustration and pain and anger. And I remember seeing nearly everyone I knew there and everyone just... everyone just in this extreme kind of mourning. And I think you kind of, when, so, when something like that happens and, and there's the kind of idea like, oh, it could have been any one of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is said, but I think something that everyone feels in that moment is like it was one of us. Like it was, there's so much solidarity, I think, but especially between women. And there's so much community in terms of like, you know, let me know when you get home safe and yeah. 
and those kind of supportive safe spaces that so often women create and you kind of feel like you lost someone like a bit of you feels like you lost absolutely you know it was a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend like Sarah Everard she actually grew up in York which is where I grew up and when I spoke at um I spoke at a memorial for her actually and one of the things I spoke about was how like what what her and I even though we know we never knew each other will have shared like she will have known that York always smells like chocolate on a Wednesday because there's a chocolate factory in York and on Wednesday that's when they process the cocoa so the whole city smells like chocolate like she will have known that's hard yeah yeah like she will have known that the river or the river ooze always floods in the spring like she will have known that and she will have known that you have to take the diversion to go across the like and she will have known all those things just like I knew them and so we Ro and I were were speaking that night after we came home Ro had gotten up on the bullhorn at the protest and and just made just said like if anyone ever needs a walk home you can come and find me you can call me I will do it I will be there for you and we went Ro and I have been best friends for for a number of years kind of before this and um, last that night we were kind of speaking about what what they had said and they were like oh I didn't give my number to the organizers like how are people going to get in touch with me how are people going to know to call me I was like well first of all don't put your number out on any public platform (laughs) but I said why don't we buy a phone um and then people could call in Edinburgh right so and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And that night we we formed Strapsy. Like we decided then and there, we came up with the name together and we decided to do it. And we were up and running in less than three weeks. Um, so brilliant. And then it exploded and mm-hmm. people started calling from all over the country. And because we put the word out locally, but then a lot of like local news teams picked it up. And then that meant that national news teams picked it up. And obviously people were calling saying, well, I don't live in Edinburgh. Can I still call? And we're like, there's no reason why not, you know? Yeah. Um, and then that kind of exploded into what it is now. And that's incredible. Like, that really like amazing. you were able to create something out of a really dark situation to help women further. And I feel like around that time, just to help listeners like, remember the landscape of what was going on you weren't allowed well obviously in Clapham where the vigil was held where she was abducted the police were arresting people because it was illegal to be doing that at the time to be in groups yeah to be in groups um during COVID and Mm -hmm. I think you know at the time as well I can speak for myself and I'm sure a lot of other people were in the same situation. You were trying to get your physical activity by going for a daily walk. And for me, that often was at night to go get exercise to make sure I was getting movement um, because you were stuck inside throughout the day working um, and only allowed to leave the house X amount number of times. Right. Yeah. One. So, for me, like I certainly ended up after in, you know, Sarah's unfortunate and deeply troubling situation. I was like, you know what? I I don't want to walk at night anymore. 
like I have to change my whole routine because I just simply don't feel safe any longer. And that could have been me. I used to live in Clapham easily. So could have been me. So I think the fact that you guys founded this and are able to support women so they feel that level of comfort and safety um, going out in night, at night is remarkable, honestly. Um, and particularly in London, you know, Chess and I have talked a lot about this, but where you do face a lot of harassment on the streets, it's like and it's something that every woman has experienced and probably experiences um, on a weekly basis. Um, I think it's extra important to have um, organizations such as yours. But I just want to talk about the trust, having touched on a little bit of what the situation with um, women getting arrested during the vigil in Clapham. I just want to talk a little bit about the trust in, in police that was completely eroded following her death um, because it was at the hands of an officer. And also the Met did mismanage that vigil situation. And then in more recent developments, we've seen how a serving Met police constable and an ex-officer were sharing horribly racist, sexist, and misogynistic messages with um, Sarah's killer um, in a group chat, which included seven other officers. And one of them went as far as to joke about sexually abusing domestic violence survivors, um, claiming or like stating that, you know, love it. That's why they're repeat victims more often than not. Um, You know, those those two individuals were jailed and removed from the force. But clearly there's still a bigger problem at play here with a culture of systemic racism and misogyny within the Met. Um, And, you know, these are people that are supposed to protect us, that we're supposed to have trust in. Um, And we've completely, I think, as a female community, lost total confidence in them. So I'd be curious to hear what your take is on all of this and what you think are the changes that need to happen for us to have trust reinstated with the police force. I think that it's so... (laughs) The Metropolitan Police should not exist in the way that it, especially in the way that it does. The consistent abuses of power, and obviously we had news about Carrick this week. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's one of the <laughs> the kind of pieces of analysis I saw was um, people talking about how surprising this was and and what a a revelation it was and um what an extraordinary state of affairs and if you believe that about Wayne Cousins if you believe that about David Carrick if you believe that about the officers who posted pictures of Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman if you believe that about the Charing Cross police officers who joked about told colleagues they were going to rape them who joked about abusing and raping their own wives and girlfriends. And if you believe that about the officers, the Metropolitan Police officers who were um, raping women that they had arrested and incarcerated, um, you are not paying attention. You do not realize the scale of the problem. You 
do not understand that this behavior isn't going to stop because the Metropolitan Police breeds, encourages, endorses, sponsors this behavior from the highest level to local officers. We now know that um, even after the Wayne Cousins case, that Dame Cressida Dick knew about David Carrick um, and still appealed uh, Sajid Javid's, not Sajid Javid's, Sidi Khan's um, decision to remove her as head of the Metropolitan Police. Because as far as she was concerned, the news hadn't broken to the public. So it wasn't, it wasn't a concern. Um, you know, he was known as Bastard Dave by his colleagues. Uh, Wayne Cousins was nicknamed the rapist. He also had a previous history of exposing himself to colleagues and to members of the public. Uh, his addiction to hardcore pornography um, and child pornography was known within the Met, um, as well as his penchant for dating and abusing um, children, as in women, women who are underage, but that's children. Um, and they, there are currently 800 officers who have allegations of sexual misconduct logged against them. The Met's statement a couple of days ago from the current, one of the current, the current, I think, interim Met chief um, was that he said in an interview that uh, the Metropolitan Police cannot guarantee that when women speak to an officer that they won't be speaking to someone who has been accused of sexual misconduct. They cannot guarantee that. But aren't, like, it's, to me it would be obvious, right, that all these Met Police are, are vetted. Are they not? Because it doesn't seem like it. Um, so many are vetted and moved from force to force. Right. So we know that um, there have been police officers who have been um, found to, like, found guilty of committing acts of sexual misconduct and rather than being fired, moved to a different department, moved to a different jurisdiction. So messed up. Um, some of the, the, like what we know, I can get some actually statistics up for you right now, but the, they like vetting, a lot of vetting is, is never followed through, like vetting isn't conducted properly. Um, evidently, yes. Evidently, cause... I'm gonna find actually some of the, the the recent reports. So a report came out back in in November. It was actually commissioned following the um, uh, following um, the murder of Sarah Everard, and it was a report um, by by the police watchdog on you know the inquiry was like how do we re how do we you know restore faith in the Metropolitan Police and thus, you know, yeah. what is the situation? Um, and as it stands, uh, hundreds of police officers should have failed vetting checks. Like that was their finding that hundreds of police officers should have failed vetting checks. A culture of misogyny, sexism and predatory behavior towards female police officers, mm -hmm. staff and members of the public persists, but remains challenged. And when people have applied, candidates who have been cleared to serve and are now serving police officers or were serving police officers, have been a candidate linked to drugs, guns, burglary and violent crime, someone who'd been convicted of drink driving, later accused of intimidating a witness and of domestic abuse, um, an officer allowed to transfer from a police force despite several allegations of sexual assault, 
a man who exposed himself to the same woman on seven separate occasions and had been convicted seven. of indecent exposure. He was cleared to serve. An applicant who'd been arrested five years earlier for insulting a woman in a nightclub. And our police officer who'd faced allegations of a number of years of improper sexualized touching of members of the public um, and junior officers. He was uh, vetted, approved, and, and transferred to another force when these allegations came to light. Like, this is what the police... This is our police, like, yeah, this is what this is, like today. That's, like, absolutely horrific and disgusting. How is any woman supposed to trust an officer no. that ever approaches them mm-hmm. if they're alone? Mm-hmm. They're not going to. Mm-mm. Someone said, like, and, if, if we abolish the police, who's going to commit all the crimes? And that... Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Damn. It's, uh, I mean, it's a valid point. Yeah. The amount of yeah. women we get who get in touch with Stratsafe, like, we put, we, we report on this whenever we can, and the amount of women who get in touch with us either privately or who leave comments in the comment section saying, I dated a member of the police force for this many months. Mm-hmm. He was, you know assaulting me beating me on the right on the, you know regularly and I reported this to his department and we had one actually on the most recent thing following the David Carrick and uh she said that um she started going out with this police officer and he then began a pattern of extreme you know extremely horrible behavior towards her that included assaulting her and 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 hitting her you know and she broke it off with him and then reported it to his department and she got uh death threats That's... from his colleagues Oh my god. Even just her, I was just about to say before you um, said, oh my god, I can't even fathom that the colleagues were sending death threats. But like, this poor woman, to even have the bravery Mm -hmm. to approach some, the police about an officer, that's like, I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. And then to have that as the reaction and how they Mm -hmm. handle it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Freaking hell. Yeah. And we think you're never well. going to want to report anything ever again. Like, no wonder yeah. women are petrified in the first place to come forward when they've been abused. Like, this is just, mm-hmm. that's so it's, depressing. It's so scary. And I think as well, like, I, I've actually <laughs> literally now just realized the way I've been speaking about this kind of stuff to the two of you. And I just realized how desensitized I am. Like, I was going to say, like, I should probably put, like, a very severe content warning at the beginning of this episode for all the stuff I've just said. But I realized that because I'm dealing with this day-to-day and speaking to survivors and dealing with trying to understand how we move forward and seek justice, but how there is no faith in the police, I'm thinking, the way I speak, it's, it's horrible. Like, I speak about this so frankly as if it's just I, I've like I'm normalizing it all of it and you're so well versed with all the all the facts and and things that it's just you're saying it as like yeah this happens every day but it it, it shouldn't <laughs> do you know what I mean um so but at, and, at and, the same <laughs> at the same time I think because you deal with so much of it I would yeah. imagine a part yeah. of you needs to like desensitize a bit because you can't carry all that emotional weight and constant darkness with you. It, it's, I imagine that would be really challenging. It's definitely been a journey figuring out how to 
separate myself from my job and take yeah. care of myself and not let ever like even like this stuff aside like even just like the other side of kind of what we do you know people dealing with violence and abuse that doesn't come from the police like mm -hmm. that aside you know it I've definitely had to learn to look after myself and learn how to yeah put boundaries in place and go to therapy uh which we all should do but yeah. <laughs> um, guilty Need to, yeah I love it um how how many of you are at Strut Safe, Strut Safe now? How large is your group of volunteers in, at your organization? We've got we're an increasingly kind of large team of volunteers. In terms of like the number of us who run it, still very small. Um, but in terms of volunteers, we're sort of growing every day. And now that we've been able to create the infrastructure to sort of onboard people more thoroughly and train people more efficiently, sorry, onboard and train kind of people efficiently and thoroughly we're kind of our numbers are, are going up so we're probably going to hit um 100 call handlers in whoa the next that's so. incredible i was not expecting 100 call <laughs> that's amazing yeah yes. and how what's the volume of calls that you receive it really varies it um unfortunately it kind of in the times that we were speaking about kind of around the times of things like the murder of zara alina and sabina nessa we saw mm -hmm numbers spike and I imagine that kind of following all the news of, of Carrick thing as well it's kind of spike again this weekend um but it's it really varies it's um but we we kind of what we want to do is ensure that we can meet demand but also open more nights of the week we're currently open a, a Friday Saturday and Sunday and what we are trying to do is spread the word as much as possible but so people know that we're a resource to rely on you know we yeah we offer a resource like a an actual organization like an actual sort of formal resource of support that isn't the police um mm. but we we just want people to know want people to know that they can call and rely on us we have a lot of people who call regularly which is really really nice you know people who who call us every time that they they're walking home from something um but yeah and that's and that's really good so we definitely want to be able to to expand and and for people to know about us that's one of our biggest kind of missions is ensuring that people know about us so that they can rely on us when they need us um and we're glad to, to have a hand in that that's why i think it's important to just to, to literally share your name and and your story and what you're trying to do with as many people as possible because so i i still think that there well not i think i've heard it several times people don't know how often this is happening that mm -hmm. women are getting harassed on the way home in the street in the daytime in the nighttime it's it does honestly doesn't matter what you wear where you are what you look like what time it is um it's always happening um would you be comfortable in sharing one of your experiences because i'm sure literally everyone listening to this will have uh, their own story which is tragic in itself um but have you experienced something one of these uh, harassment um times where you think okay that's ingrained in my brain forever um so, like I have like a number of like experiences and I can think back just to, to so many I think we definitely normalize them a lot um I first remember starting to be sexually harassed when I was um, in my school uniform. I think I first kind of remember it around the time of 
14, 13, 14, which is such a harsh wake up call. And it's so young as well. Um, But, and I didn't really understand because you don't understand at that age because you're a child. And uh, something that's always painful is when we get calls to strut safe from, from women who are super young, women who are coming home from after school activities um, women who are coming home from a friend's house where they were doing homework. And I'm you're, glad you're there. I'm glad yeah. you're there. Thank you. That's. Oh, just, I wish I had you when I was 14 years old. This is great. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, you're you're right. That is tragic in itself. They're children, yeah. for God's sake. And, um, and yeah, to be with them in that moment when they kind of realize that they'll always move through the world differently, and to be with them while they have that realization is an incredibly traumatic thing. Yeah, um, that's heartbreaking. It. Yeah. It's. Um, and then yeah and then it kind of I think people I think kind of one of the weird things actually has been being in a a relationship Um, so I'm in a relationship now with a a lovely 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 man Um, and it's the first time I've ever like been out with someone and so we spend a lot of time together and I think having him as a comparison for my behavior has been a really interesting case study uh, because um, if him and I ever go out for a a walk at night, which is something that I can do now because I have a boyfriend, um, is whenever there's a noise, I'll look behind me. And I remember like the first few times I would look and he would look as if to go, what are you looking at? And I realized that when you hear a noise, when you're out walking by yourself, you just immediately check all your surroundings. Um, And also realizing that um, having a predominantly kind of female circle around me for so long, when something would happen, I would tell my friends. And then because they'd be so used to it, we would all normalize it. And they would offer me the support I needed in that moment but no one was shocked by things um, and no one was surprised. They were, you know, sad and upset for me and offered support, but they weren't going, that's wild, that's crazy, that's unbelievable. And then now I can tell, or not can, now I tell someone and now I tell a man about it and he remembers things better than I do because those things make an impact on him in the way that they don't make an impact on me. Right, they're like, I um, can't believe this happened kind of thing. Like, this is this is wrong yeah. kind of thing, maybe? Because that's your everyday living experience. Yeah. And for him, he doesn't experience that. So it, like, what feels normal to you feels mm-hmm. probably outrageous to him. Like, I think, I don't, like, I know I'm, I'm equipped with, like, the tools and the resources I need in the moment. Like, yeah. I kind of experience that I've been reflecting on recently, which is one of the reasons, like, that we are working to kind of, chain like and public sexual harassment in Scotland which is where we're based um was being out in a in a um being out in the centre of Edinburgh which is where I live and walking to a bar to meet some friends and walking down the street and just being by the entrance to the bar and a man kind of coming up to me and yelling nice tits in my face and he was so close that like he was like spit sprayed me and he like ran away he like like paced past me and I turned around to like yell at him and like everyone because it was outside a bar like everyone 
noticed those people around. No one said It was loud. They heard it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So I went out to the bouncers to walk into the bar and I gave my idea and they let me in and I went in and I met my friends and I was like, oh my God, you'll never guess what just happened to me outside. And they were like, Jesus Christ, that's horrible, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the very same bouncers ended up letting that man into the bar and he came up to me to speak to me and I literally was like, don't come anywhere near me. And then I went and found a member of staff and was like, that man sexually harassed me outside. You have to do something about it. Not, I want you to do something about it and putting the onus on do you. Do something. To do something. And he was a pretty young guy and he was very receptive. Like he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Let me sort this, leave it with me. Which was really nice because I do feel like attitudes are changing, especially for Good. You know, my generation and younger men. We can talk about the men being radicalized by Andrew Tate at a separate date, but you know, <laughs> yep. I do feel like- <laughs> that's, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> I do feel like if you speak- I do feel like sometimes I'm going to be heard or understood or received more by someone who's younger than someone who's older. And so he was like, I'm going to go find the bouncers and they're going to speak to him and they're going to kick him out. And the bouncers, he returns with the bouncers and the bouncers say, you know, what happened? And explain. And I explain in this way, like, I'm not asking them to do it. I'm just being like, this is what happened. And thus you are going to kick him out of this bar because I'm not leaving. And one of us is leaving and it's not me. I'm not going to leave this because I'm here with my friends. We're having yeah. drinks. Mm-hmm. He can leave. And I did not sexually like assault someone, so exactly. I can stay. Um, and they were like, yeah, but he didn't touch you, so what's the issue? <gasps> Fuck you, man. And I was like, if you don't understand what the issue is, you need to take a long look in the mirror. And I was like, I don't care that he didn't touch me. He made incredibly lewd sexual comment to me. He can leave. And you will make him. So he ended up being escorted out like it was some kind of victory parade with his father, who was also acting like it was a victory parade. And I just, I think something that I've been reflecting on as we look to pass kind of legislation in Scotland that ends this, that doesn't just like give police more powers, you know, um, increase incarceration and arrests, give police power to target you know, disenfranchised people is an education like based approach to, to like remedying this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I, I don't, him being kicked out doesn't mean he won't do that again. He just has to hope that the next person he picks on doesn't say anything. Yeah. And that he can just move through the world without consequence. But I was like, if I went out and had a conversation with him, hopefully maybe a conversation when he was sober and was like, do you understand why making kind of comments like this is harmful why it platforms rape culture, why it endorses people to behave the same way, why it's humiliating and embarrassing and it disenfranchises women and reduces them and creates an environment where it is possible for people to commit harm against them. Hmm. He would have turned around and been like, well, I didn't understand all that. It was just a joke. And it's like, okay, but if you were to understand that and if you did understand that and if you recognise that, would you do it again? And you have to, so which is why we're pushing for an education-based remedy. That's the first and foremost, most important thing is is education. We always say that it should start young, it should start at home, it should start literally as early as possible. So absolutely. I feel like in a way you've already just answered a question that I had for you, but I'm still going to ask it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what would you say to the men who take on the view of, not all men um that they're right 
which is always an interesting response to that. Mm, uh, which is good. There are good men and we love you. Like Alice's dad, boo. Uh, we love you. <laughs> 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 um, but the fact is, you could like, that's, that's always an interesting response because whenever people mm-hmm. have said that to me as a kind of gotcha, I'm like, oh, you haven't got me. You haven't. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> because, yeah, not all men. That is true. But there is a catch. And the catch is, we don't know which ones. Hmm. They, um, there's this thing that, for example, it says, not all sharks eat humans, right? But if you see a shark, are you going to run away? Yes, because you don't know if it's the one that eats humans. It's the exactly. same. That's how I think of it. It's the exact same, same thing. But yeah, sorry, continue. I just wanted to tell you my shark story. Exactly. If you are aware that someone has a gun, like you don't know that they're going to shoot you, but you're not going to take a chance. And you're going to treat every single person like they could be that person. You're going to treat every single man as if they could be the one that harms you. And the thing is, we have so many experiences. This isn't like an old wives' tale. It isn't this kind of concocted fear. That's something that we get. We get this idea, we get this criticism a lot that we're stirring up fear, that we're stirring up mistrust, and that we're stirring up this hatred of men, and that this these fears are baseless. They don't come from anywhere. And it's like, no, these fears come okay. from somewhere. They come from a history and a past of abuse and harassment. Mm-hmm you know when we're not constant it's not like playing russian roulette it's not like we haven't been shot yet we're just trying it's self-preservation and i would also argue that again not all men but as a man you uphold so much you uphold you literally uphold the patriarchy which is like a supremacist racist like misogynistic institution you uphold that just by existing, and I'm not saying that that's your fault, but just like white women uphold racism, we can still be victims of, you know, misogyny, we can still be victims of harassment, but we still uphold, like, white supremacy, Mm -hmm. so we have to be part of dismantling it. Absolutely. And so... But I, I also feel like taking on that not all men view, you're already just taking on some defensive view, and you're disengaging and you're not listening mm-hmm. to the problem yeah that's how I that's that's how I view it mm-hmm. it's it's in like, addition to everything you said yeah yeah why are you so determined to excuse yourself from this why are you so determined to argue with people who were trying to make progress and protect people like why are you so determined to respond when women talk about levels of num- like you know levels of harassment and attack why are you so determined to say, yes, but men get raped too? You think we don't know that? You think we aren't trying to solve that too? The whole thing, the whole thing. We're trying to solve the whole thing, but yeah. But you must understand that women disproportionately experience it more. And mm-hmm. I don't understand why you want to, you don't want to listen and you want to argue. I don't understand why you want to undermine us. Like does, that doesn't speak to, like that doesn't speak to someone who cares about assault. You know, if you speak about women being assaulted and you come back, if I speak about, you know, women being assaulted and you come back with, yes, but men get assaulted too, that doesn't tell me that you care about assault as an issue. And You're just trying to equalize it and just say, well, it is what it is and it happens to both of us, so stop yeah, complaining. exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. just saying it to undermine me. You're just telling 
trying to tell yourself or other people that what I have to say, like, that my point can't stand on its own. My point can't be taken seriously. And it definitely should. Um, Alice, what <laughs> what does being a feminist mean to you? And I'm looking forward to this response so much because I'm in awe of everything you've said today. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, take notes, Tress. What does the oh, feminist, what's this being a feminist mean to you? <laughs> this is the thing. I just, I, send, I get, I get so much imposter syndrome about my job. I, I, I think, I was speaking about this recently. I definitely feel, and I know many people relate to this, a level of. Yeah, imp imposter syndrome in the work that I do. I feel very, I feel it because I'm very young for my field. I feel it because I'm not the most educated or learned or even the best person to be working on this. I, I, I reflect on that every day. And I think, I like, because I, when I speak about, you know, my job and what I do and the challenges that I face in it and because I, I do really struggle with the work that I do and I do really struggle with you know figuring out how I represent people and how I try and protect people and how the work that I does makes a difference and how I can create the best kind of thing that doesn't harm anybody and it takes everything into consideration and then people will kind of respond to that and be like well why do you do the work that you do and you know why, why do you do this and it, it's simply because I'm I'm really passionate about it and I wouldn't do anything else. And I think that being a, a feminist to me is trying to use that passion to try and make a difference in the world and try and leave the world a better place than I found it. And you can look back at all the progress that we've made over hundreds of years and you look, about, you look back at all the women who probably felt like imposters or who were called upon in moments and never intended to do what they do and, and faced opposition and sometimes resented the work and um, sometimes made mistakes. And you look back at them and you look at the progress that they did make and all the opportunities that they created for you, even without being perfect people. And like I look back at, I look at my parents, I look at my mum, my mum and I don't always agree, um, but she, I know she paved the way for so many women in her profession and I know that they raised me to, and tried to, give, tried to give me the tools and the confidence to do whatever I wanted. And I just, I look back at a younger version of me and I really hope that she would be proud. Like I look back at the kind of the version of me in school that I spoke about who was really unhappy and didn't understand why people didn't understand her and looked to people around her and like girls around her facing kind of racism and misogyny and sexism. And I hope I'm doing her proud. And can I just say you definitely you are. are and I'm like <laughs> I know she's like, despite me understanding what she means about imposter syndrome because I get it for, for this podcast all the time I'm like should I be saying these like am I e even qualified to say we're all learning but it is definitely divine intervention something like divine intervention that's 
involved you in in this, Alice? Because you are meant to be here. Can I just say what you've done and what you're talking about, what you're saying, you are meant to be doing this. Like you are such an inspiration and your story reached me and I was like, I gotta have this girl. So (laughs) as much as I understand you and sometimes as women, we always feel insufficient and we always feel like we need to be more and do more and have more to to be to have our place and to Mm -hmm. be in the place we're in um but can I just say uh uh-uh smashing (laughs) it okay yeah you're absolutely making your mark and making the place the world a better place like you've done that and you know we'll be cheering you on as you continue to do that and helping spread the word about strut stay Sorry, I feel like I witted on so much. No, I, I was like love, trying, oh, I was trying to think of like something it. to say. I think, okay, I think being a feminist is knowing that you can't just stop and you can't just give up because you have a responsibility not to give up because yeah. that's the thing. People talk about like, well, what if you never achieve this? And what if you get never get that? What if you never get there? What if you don't see it in your lifetime? But the answer to that is, well, do I just stop? Do I just give up? Do we just stop trying? Absolutely no. not. Okay, that's my answer. That's my I answer. love yes. it. I love it. Brilliant answer. Brilliant answer. Um, so our our last uh, question to close the episode is, do you have a song of the episode that you would like to um, put up to join our Big Vag Energy Spotify playlist? playlist? Oh my god! It is uh, something we ask each guest to do. I'm a musician, so I'm like always obsessed with like. And what song does that feel like? <laughs> what song does that feel like to you? <laughs> I think this is the thing. I think there's a lot of music that empowers me. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I really like. Um, I love Megan Thee Stallion. She's my favorite. She's so good, Woo! and especially the all the work that she is doing especially how brave she's being with Tori Lena's case as well and stuff like recently that. she's yeah. just such a powerhouse and I love her I love her so much I'm gonna love you um so anything about we'll tag her, her. it's always yeah. good oh, oh, notice me Megan please um please I'm losing all sense of dignity I just want you to like me uh, be my best friend please please Megan um so anything by by Megan is great, but one of my favorite favorite songs, and it's I think it empowers me. I think actually she empowers me more than the song. Mm-hmm. But the song is just like such a feel good song um, okay. that whenever okay. I listen to it, it's um. And I know it sounds silly because it's actually about heartbreak, but the song that empowers me is "Hold Me Closer" by Cornelia Jacob. Um, she actually. Uh, she is, um, I was just listening to it on repeat and on repeat. She was performed it actually at Eurovision and she, she's, she's Swedish and um, she won the, in Sweden because they take Eurovision so seriously. They actually so have a competition, an internal Swedish competition called Mellow, um, where any artist who wants to represent Sweden is selected to perform at Mellow and then whoever wins Mellow goes to Sweden to represent Sweden and the song is called hold me closer and she went through such a like arduous journey to represent her country it's something that she's wanted to do for a long time and her 
she was is just so fearless and the song is so personal and so private and I think that's something that I learned a lot in the work that I've done is I tried to close off a part of myself for so long to try and deal with this work and I tried to separate my myself from it and I had so many invasive um, questions asked about um, about my past and about my sexual history and there are so many journalists who want to who want you to spill your guts and speak about exploit your trauma for clickbait and and yeah. mine you for whatever they can find because you can't be taken seriously as a woman in this field if they can't pity you right oh, and so for so long I was like I'm gonna separate all of my personal stuff especially as I'm so young I think people think that because I'm young they can just ask me if I've been assaulted like on live television there is nothing <gasps> like that um oh. Do they, and they don't preemptively tell you these are questions they're going to ask. They just throw it at you. Sometimes. And I very nearly made a massive, massive fuss when um, a major TV network tried to gaslight me um, about asking me. Um, they were like, uh, do you have, um, you know, have you been sexually assaulted? And would you be willing to talk about this on camera? And, Why? Why is um, that? and because like because my work can only be taken seriously if I have trauma that they can exploit um and I went how dare you frankly frankly how dare you and I went if you ask me that on camera on television I will outright say exactly what I've said now I will I don't care about embarrassing myself or the host I'm not going to be spoken to like that you have Um, been warned exactly And the producer called me and was like, no, that wasn't what we were asking. What we're trying to do is, um, what we want to know is if you're going to say anyone's names so we can cover our backs legally. And I was like, don't don't gaslight me. That's not what you were asking. You weren't trying to cover your backs legally. You were trying to find out if you could ask me about it. Yeah, because you would have literally said, we're trying to to cover our backs legally, so don't mention any names. That's all. That's all you had to say. Exactly. Ah! Um, so yeah, separated myself for a long time, but then read a lot of bell hooks and was like, there is no progress without humanity. And I do my best work when I connect personally to it. And so that is why I love Cornelia Jacob because she puts, she puts, she spills her guts into her work on her own terms and she's like, take it or leave it. And that's why I love the song, Hold Me Closer by Cornelia Jacob. That was a very long winded answer, but... (laughs) That's my favorite answer that we've heard. Oh my on- god, is it? Oh, yeah. Alex. This podcast, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love Amazing. her. She's so cool. And look up the performance that she did for for Mellow because she she does it on the stage and she's just wearing like a t- like a t shirt, like a sparkly top and trousers, and she just stands on stage and she just she's got this incredible voice and she just mm. like sings and you just you. You feel it. You feel it through a screen of how much she's feeling and how much she cares about singing about it and how much she cares about her job and her life. And it's it's this. It's oh no! Where'd okay, it go? you're back. You you cut oh out my for God, like half you... a second. For half a second, <gasps> I was so nervous. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I hope we haven't just lost everything. Um, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I actually don't know that that song, and I'll I'll find I'll find the actual yeah. and share that instead as well, not instead as well. So okay. amazing. Yeah, it's it's got her standing in. This is what it looks like if I can find it. 
sparkly topness. It's got her. It's like got a green album cover. It's her. Okay, sweet. Yeah, and I'll a white and a white outfit. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay! We'll show that. And it's like okay. the song just swells as well. She's so underrated. She's like, she definitely should be like. We'll the we'll pop tag star her, her as well. And then yes. maybe you can become best friends. You know, Cornelia, like, this could be like, the greatest moment of your life. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture. My, my my best friend um, and my flatmate actually. She went to her and one of her one of our other friends went to Mellow because they're big like they're like big European like music fans. And um, there's a picture of, uh, oh, you can see them in the back of, like, her performance. Um, and you can see them in the crowd at, like, the barrier. Like, are you jealous? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, um a friend of mine. I know this is, like, not on the same scale, but for, like, Teen Alex. Um, oh, my gosh. My friend posted photos of her with the Backstreet Boys. Like, <gasps> with each one a group shot and I was like this is insane how I've been friends with you and I like didn't know that you've met the Backstreet Boys because like they were my everything Everything. in middle school like I think that was one of my first concerts was the Millennium concert where they flew in on these like boards like in the air I don't know anyways wow I was it was I'm I still can't I'm speechless I'm so jealous anyways (sighs) We will close there. Um, thank you so much, Alice, for coming on the podcast and, and talking to us about your journey and Strut Safe and the work that you do is just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, we appreciate you. And we appreciate you and us. what you're doing and Tarot yeah. as well. We, we didn't get to meet you, but um, thank you for everything as well. Oh. legends i will we'll pass it on and hopefully we'll hear this but yeah thank you so much <laughs> yes hopefully so much hopefully to you both for having me and for this You're chat welcome. it's honestly been so lovely talking to you both and i felt like this has been such a nice a nice chat and like an oh. intense discussion and we've discussed a lot of serious themes but you guys are the best kind of people to talk about this listen with, so. i plan on coming to edinburgh this year so if i'm there i am ringing you and we are going out for a coffee okay give me a call we will go out it sounds <laughs> yes okay fantastic thank you so much thank you we will be sure to link uh to the strut safe website for anyone who might want to donate or use their services share their services to their friends to family members Uh, And they are currently seeking phone volunteers from anywhere in the UK to join their team. So, uh, yeah, we'll be sure to link that in here as well um, as on our Instagram page. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, leave us a review and share it with anyone that you think might like it or learn from it. And please be sure to also give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is the Big Vag Energy Pod. And you can always also email us with any ideas, feedback, or nominations of people you'd like us to interview. And you can do that by shooting us an over, over an email at the Big Vag Energy Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>